I know how to test Python stuff. I don't know how to test front-end stuff like React, TypeScript, etc. But Paul Everett does. Paul's here today to teach us about the joy of testing React and TypeScript. Welcome to Testing Code. Well, Paul, thanks for showing up at Testing Code again. Um, I think we've had you on at least several times before, maybe once. I don't know. It's a joy. I was going to say it's great to hear your voice again, but I hear your voice all the time. <laughs> like in nightmares or something? Or <laughs> no, just... no, no, my therapist <laughs> fixed that part. I'm sorry. Um, well, it's a joy to have you. So uh, as a reminder, if people don't know, um, you, you're still working with PyCharm, right? Yep. I'm a developer advocate doing web and Python stuff at JetBrains. Great gig. I don't know why they pay me. <laughs> I should be paying them, but don't tell them I said that. So web stuff, that, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, Indeed. Um, you, so are you spending like uh, most of your time with web things now, or, or how would you say that? It's an interesting point. Uh, the thing that interests me, I got a confession to make. My wife was out of town this week. And and on Saturday, I spent, I'm not kidding, 11 hours writing Python code. Oh, how nice. And I've had for two years this project about, actually, it's related to this topic, about bringing modern front-end practices for web development to Python. Okay. And it's just an exp exploration. I don't expect anybody to actually buy what I'm selling. Uh, but it is quite interesting to me, the both innovation and catastrophe that's happening in the front end space. Well, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of innovation that's like, sure. Uh, I don't know, all like constant, right? Um, yeah, there's just, uh, interesting things related to how you compose applications immutable state trees and things like that and innovation in testing and maybe we can talk about some of those things it's just pretty you and i made a joke before about sparking joy the kind of housekeeping you have to do the rate of churn the fatigue they talk about those kinds of things when you come back over to python those 11 hours that i spent every second of every minute of every hour was in a test. Uh, I, I did my typical code on the left, test on the right, test runner at the bottom. And coming back over to Python testing is just so joyful. I love that. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I've noticed recently is I'm, uh, we were in a, in a land of like Python two versus three for a long time. And yeah, now, yeah. and now we can say, it's three now. Just right. live with it, people. Um, but now it's like, yeah, but it's not really just three. <laughs> I don't really want to work with like anything older than three nine. You know, maybe that's three. That's a good point. Maybe that's three seven. I but... saw some some of the packages and some of the things that you and I both adore just within the last week. I was thinking Hennick, for example, Strucklog maybe did an update and said goodbye. Anything you know older than three six. Yeah, 
Um, and, and, and part of that I think is the, uh, the F strings were great. So we kind of yeah. need those everywhere. Um, yeah. but, but that's, a, that's just it, but it's, it's not really like we're breaking. I think at, and that's a different thing with applications. So obviously with a package that's being used by other, other applications and other packages, you have to be a little more mindful of that, or maybe Indeed. you should mm-hmm. be. Um, but with an application, you're the end user. You're the end application. Well said. Very so well said. You can you can say for my application, I'm only doing three ten or three nine or whatever. Um, In fact, for my thing that I worked all weekend on a couple of months ago, I pulled the trigger to switch to three nine so that I get easier type hints, so I don't have to import list and all that stuff. Yeah, and I was tempted to switch to three ten so that I didn't have to do optional. I could do pipe the none, but black doesn't support three ten yet, so. Oh, really? A little bit. Oh, okay. But That's I'm with you on that. You're, you make a good point. Uh, these things that are happening for a class of people, it sparks joy. Yeah, and then I was actually talking to Brett uh, Cannon not too long ago and about the kind of the role of a maintainer of an open source project. Mm-hmm. And and he was saying, dude, it's it's like, it's your thing. If If you're maintaining it, you can say, I only want to test on three eight and three nine and three ten. Mm-hmm. So if you're using mm-hmm. something older, sorry, um, uh, it's it's really up to the maintainer and the, and the maintainers. And you know that seems harsh, but at the same time, open sources. I mean, it's it's I'm doing this in my free time and my weekends and evenings. If I want to, if I want to use the new stuff, I can use the new stuff. But anyway, he gave a keynote at PyCon. Uh, it seems like. Well, PyCon, it seems like four centuries ago, but uh, four or five years ago, it may have been the PyCon where you and I met when you gave your first talk. But he gave a keynote about just the drain of open source and that we all got to be nicer to each other and not be so drive by crappiness. Right. And also wonderful talk. It is a wonderful talk. And I and then he's talking recent more recently about things like just you got into the doing open source because you wanted to share something. Don't mm-hmm. make it a burden. Don't, I mean, there isn't, a, there, there's an implied contract that you're supporting yes. the world, but it's not there. You don't have to. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, we're dig- digressing and going off on a tangent, which is fun to do, especially over beer. Um, That's my MO. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get back to uh, testing in JavaScript. Yeah. So I'm, uh, we're thinking about like, and you can't get, you can't get away from JavaScript, even if, mm-hmm. if even if you want to, um, and you, I guess you could. But a lot of applications, even heavy Python backend applications, there's quite a bit going on in the front end. And actually, in a lot of applications, there's a huge amount of business value in the well interactions that are going on on the front end. I don't know how to test that, but you mm-hmm. do. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that some. That's a very good point. Uh, Let's face it, the UI is sexy. The REST <laughs> API, it's got a nice swagger, open UI, UI on it, but the business folks are like, hey, where's my dancing donkey or something? And how do you know that your dancing donkey still works after you've done the latest release, after your 2000 NPN dependencies have been updated because, you know, that's the price these days for doing a modern React application. 
Testing has an interesting, at least from my perspective, an interesting um, relationship to the world of front-end development, particularly as someone coming from the world of Python and the culture of testing in Python. I find it fascinating. I've learned a lot in both directions. And I think that um, it's worth uh, it's worth talking about on testing code. Yeah, uh, definitely. Now, have you done any Ruby? I mean, I know no, we're no. not talking about that, but I know that, and I haven't either, but I know that Ruby is, um, uh, at least I've heard that Ruby is pro- prolific. The entire culture is around. There's a lot of testing in there. Very good. I don't think that Python is, I think we like, like to test things in Python, but I don't think it's as much as Ruby. Um, That's interesting. I wonder when, I wonder when they put a testing library into like the standard library. I wonder if it was baked in earlier than Python. Yeah, I'm not sure. We should get some Ruby people on. All right. Um, but so for uh, React, uh, and it isn't, we're not just really talking about JavaScript, really. Sure. You're talking about React, right? Um, it, right. Or are you talking about JavaScript also? Um, some of the complaints that I will have are primarily aimed at React and maybe Angular. Uh, these ecosystems that have just gotten colossal as far as footprint on number of applications to do hello world, number of dependencies, sorry, to do hello world. There is a change a coming in the world of JavaScript, and it's going to feel different within the next year where uh, native module support will be a thing and people won't be using bundlers as much. Okay. Um, and some changes then in frameworks so that, you know, it, you type three lines and the test runner runs and your CPU fan goes, because it's like transpiling 2000 NPM packages. And so when that gets cut out of the loop and some things go on a diet, um, it will be a little bit more joyful. But uh, the message that I give in that tutorial and the message that I've talked with you about is I'm about the joy of testing. In fact, I was one, uh, uh, it'll remain nameless, one of the three or four people on Twitter that I pay attention to deeply just tweeted today about uh, they kind of treat tests as receipts at the end of the project to, to prove that the work got done. Okay. And it does not spark joy for them. And I understand that point of view, but for me, especially in front-end development, it's about joy. And uh, if we have a chance, I'll kind of dive into that. Yeah, actually, yes, uh, we should. But we we mentioned the, you mentioned the tutorial, but I don't think we mentioned it yet. So do Oh, my apologies. Yeah, so I have a PyCharm uh, guide tutorial at the website for PyCharm guide, jetbrains.com slash PyCharm slash guide. I have a tutorial on PyTest and using PyCharm as kind of a GUI for PyTest. But I have another one in the WebStorm guide on um, uh, React, TypeScript, and TDD. Okay. Which sounds like the three horsemen of the apocalypse. (laughs) But it's something like a 12-part tutorial with videos and code and text explaining this kind of way of working that I find joyful that I don't even want to call it test-driven. 
because it's more like test first. Why? Because it's a more productive environment to sit in my test than it is to type some stuff, go to the browser and click the universe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's cool. Um, so you, you, uh, when you're running, so you're running tests that, that, um, that are driving in a, a web application. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, I'm in that environment. Is it headless at this point or does your browser pop up? Very good and important question. Some of the front end frameworks like Angular with its test runner called Karma are really more about um, a test runner that fires up browsers, even like the headless Chrome driver thing, but it's still Chrome. Out of the box with React, I should say Create React app, which is the official scaffold, you get something called Jest, and that is the dominant test runner. It's like PyTest. Okay. PyTest isn't required for Python. It's just everybody uses it. And I heard something about an update to a book that's like the canonical Bible for PyTest. Yes. Uh, Jest is different because you don't execute your JavaScript code in a browser's JavaScript engine. There's this fake JavaScript interpreter called JSDOM. Okay. And it runs in Node.js, which is like a Python interpreter rather than a desktop GUI application called a web browser. Okay. And that's the secret to making this stupendously productive. I don't context switch over into this other thing called the browser. And I can set a breakpoint. And I can stop at that breakpoint. And it's in my IDE. It's really close to my environment. Okay. And uh when when it's running this JS JS test, is that what you said? Jest. Jest. Um when Jest is running, does it is it necessarily something that you have the JavaScript isolated or does it um does it talk to databases and services and things like that? That's another thing that's been an interesting learning experience for me coming from the world of Python testing to the world of front-end testing. In Python, there's a lot of different churches of thought about units versus integration versus end-to-end, etc. In the world of JavaScript, it is much closer to integration. The culture is much more about uh, go ahead and bring in the whole thing and render that button, but still go get everything. Don't try to mock everything out. Get it the way it would be for the user and make some assertions. There's this other part called end-to-end testing. Cypress is the dominant tool for that, and that's about executing in browsers to make sure that you haven't failed in this version on that operating system or something. Okay, so is there, um, how about on the database, is the database side, is that more of like the the end-to-end stuff? Um, and well, that's an interesting point. It's the third rail that I'm currently adamantly staying away from, which is server-side JavaScript. So in browsers, you're not going to open a database. Right, okay. You're going to talk right, to an sure. endpoint that opens a database. Okay, but server-side JavaScript would open a database. But okay, so you're talking to an endpoint, 
Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. the endpoint mocked or is it the endpoint? End yeah, the endpoint's mocked. Okay. Cool. They have a pretty good mocking strategy, and it's interesting because as friend of the show and friend of you and me in, in real life, Anthony Shaw wrote a blog post within the past two weeks about I stumbled across async PyTest. Here's a blog post for how to make it work. <laughs> and so it's a little bit tricky if you're in if you're an old school PyTest person to make the jump into PyTest. Well, that's all over the place in front end stuff. And so things like Jest and the React testing library um, have all kinds of assertion helpers to improve the ergonomics of that. Okay, nice. So um, you want to, I don't know if we covered it yet. Uh, you wanted to talk about your joy of testing? Sure. Is, is there more that you want to talk about? Well, what I what I find found in writing that tutorial and then the work I've done is like in the tutorial there's this several really long sections about okay, we're going to refactor this in from a parent from a big component to a parent component and a child component. We'll change our tests and we'll update our TypeScript and all that. And we do all these steps and we add an event handler for clicking the button and we pass it between the and we get to the end and I remind the audience, guess what? You never looked at a browser. You stayed in the IDE the entire time. You stayed in the flow. Yeah. And everything was using things you already know. And it just felt familiar and controlled. And you're just working methodically. That great feeling you get in PyTest when you're just going bit by bit and working methodically. And so that joy of testing thing is less about what's my coverage coverage number. And it's more about, hey, I want to make this thing work. What's the most productive way for me to stay in the flow? Yeah. Okay. And that's a and that's something you can you can do with the um with with Python or with React and JavaScript. With this stack, that's right. With this stack. And I mentioned briefly about TypeScript, which is a divisive topic in front in, in the front end world. But for me, I get the joy of testing when I'm in the right hand side, I've got my test code. And in the left hand side of my IDE, I've got the code that I'm writing. So I'm like a consumer of my own code. I'm consuming the API of the component that I'm writing. Okay. And thanks to TypeScript, I get little red squiggles when I do something wrong. I fail faster. So remind me what TypeScript is. Uh, It is, you should think of it exactly like Python type hinting. So for people in the world of Python for the longest time, there was type. There were types. You just didn't have to type the types. Yeah. <laughs> but around Python 3.6 time frame, there started to become not just a syntax, but a culture of write down your types for things that people are going to consume. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Which might actually be you six months from now when you flush the whole damn project out of your brain and you can't remember a line of code. Well, and also in, I mean, in Python, a variable can switch types uh, yes. because it's not really switching types. It's just a, it's just pointing a name that's pointing to something else um, that happens to be a different type. Um, and 
with uh like uh with uh, my pie or something we're going to test to make sure that that doesn't happen if we say it's a it's a a list of ints it's always going to be a list of ints um indeed um indeed so um and that's and that's one of the things that i like about adding types when i know it's not going to change sometimes it, i don't know what the type's going to be so don't put a type on it uh, so yeah and when you do all of this in a smart editor and at this point, I would say probably 90% of the market for editing in the world of Python, 80-90% now uses typing between PyCharm and the language server for um, PyLance, PyWrite. I think Sublime Text is adopting that as well. Okay. It means your editing experience, your developer experience tells you immediately when you got it wrong. And on Saturday, I can't tell you the number of times PyCharm squiggled me. I'm like, PyCharm, what's your... Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right again, <laughs> like you were the previous thousand times. Yeah, and actually, so that's that's an interesting thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's not... So is, is TypeScript a similar sort of thing? Is it... Uh, so in, in Python... The types are op- it's optional, yep. and you can you can ignore them and just don't follow them. Uh, TypeScript or someplace I, in between gradual typing, which was the original pitch for Python typing. Okay, Do how about TypeScript? A little bit at a time. Can I? TypeScript can I is also a little bit at a time. It's optional. You can do more. Um, there are different flags, just like there is with MyPy about being strict and requiring it everywhere. Okay. How about like changing types? Like if I call, if I say name is a string, but I assign 32 to it, uh, will TypeScript allow that or no. will it blow? Okay. No. Just like Python. Well, Python allows it. It's just. Once, once you've assigned a variable and then later on, if you try to assign it to something else, it'll get mad. I mean, okay. it'll allow it at runtime, but the type checkers will get mad about it. Right, that's what I'm saying. Is uh, type, but TypeScript isn't isn't just about the type checkers, right? It's uh, it's a runtime. Actually, also. it's less runtimey than Python. Python oh, really? keeps the type information at runtime in the Dunder annotations. TypeScript, much to my chagrin, throws all of that out. <laughs> okay, well, I I think I'm now I'm the problem of going off on a tangent. Let's uh, bring it back to um, some of the some of the some of the cool stuff and some of the lessons. Sure. Is there anything from JavaScript testing that maybe we could learn and use for in Python? I will talk first about um, kind of the whole developer experience, mainly okay. because this is a uh, this has occupied a lot of my thinking in the past couple of years. Awesome. That I'm writing code and I have better tooling available than I did five years ago. And maybe I can put it to work to have a better development experience. So in the world of JavaScript, like React, et cetera, you're using one of these IDE smart editors. And as I'm writing my code, it's auto-completing, it's refactoring. If you give it more help by saying, here's the interface for the props for my component, the arguments that I'm going to supply to my component, then it will autocomplete on those and tell you when you got something wrong and give you refactoring tools. And then 
That all take, comes over into testing as I'm writing my test. I'm accelerated. That whole development experience, I think, is interesting for Python, both in the code we write and the tests we do. How to get a better development experience thanks to typing. And Fast API is pioneering this with putting fast putting uh, type hints to work for you to have a better development experience. Uh, Will with Textual is doing that. And then uh, SQL Model, which came out last week, is doing that as well. And Sebastiana has very explicitly said he went over to the world of front-end development looked at what was available for developer experience there and wants to have more of that in Python. So this kind of whole view of I'm sitting in a smart tool, I'm writing code, I'm writing tests, I'm executing them. How can I have a better development experience is something that I've learned from in the front end. Okay. That's neat. Uh, I didn't know you could do that with front end stuff. Like front-end stuff, as you would expect, there are many, many ways to do it. And probably during the recording of this conversation, someone will release a new testing library. Which is frustration and leads to the fatigue aspect, but it also means there's a lot of innovation. Okay. Uh, The React testing library from uh, Kent Dodds is really interesting reading and it itself um, innovated in the middle of its life uh, and had a little bit of an overhaul. He is very focused on ergonomics, trying to get you to write a test that looks like how your users would use the software. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's how you want to write a test. It seems so obvious on the face of it. (laughs) And then when you see his take of assertion writing and things like that and what to test and what not to test, it becomes kind of a, oh, wow, there's a lot of thought that's gone into this. That's cool. Um, So what do you mean by seeing? Is that by looking at the way that this, the uh, test frameworks put together? Uh, Can you explain again? You said um, when you see how he's uh, dealing, like thinking about asserts, is that ah, because right. the test framework has different assert methods that are useful? Indeed. The, uh, it is a testing library with, we'll call it adapters, um, connectors that make it work with React or Angular or this thing or that thing or the other thing. And there are some assertions. There's an assertion library that's common to all of them. And then there are custom assertions for specific things. And um, kind of the flow of it, if, if you think about writing a test for, the story points in a browser UI, it's a lot different than what we would think of in Python. It's like, go get this page, wait for it to stop rendering. When it does, go find this little bit of the, we'll we'll say DOM, the component. Wait for it to finish its life cycle. Click this button, but mock up this event handler first. Wait for it to, to do its thing. Watch its transitions as it changes state. 
And then if it throws an error asynchronously, catch it and tell, you know, this whole event driven approach is like writing a GUI application and testing a GUI application. Okay. That doesn't sound fun, but it is fun. It actually becomes fun now that we are like 10 generations into learning lessons in the world of front end testing. And you have some of these frameworks that simplify the problem, focus the problem, and then make some asserts that make the common cases easy. Uh, okay. Um, cool. So I'm looking through some of the, some of the stuff, at least I'm actually watch, looking at a, a blog post. that's like a tutorial for it, uh, mm -hmm. with the testing library. It does. One of the things I do like that like I've noticed so far is that you can have meaningful tests still be fairly short. You can see them in a half a page or something. Sure. So yeah, that's nice. And that comes back to those adapters I talked about, where they have to assemble the running application and get the component into a DOM, basically transparently, so you don't have to. And think about it. If you're writing in, in TypeScript, you've got to convert all of that into JavaScript before executing it. So you've got to take a path through the transpiler in order to execute your test. Now, is this, okay, so the, is this a long, uh, like a lengthy process? I mean, are you waiting seconds, minutes, uh, milliseconds? Uh. In, indeed, that is uh, maybe number two on my list of things that do not spark joy in JavaScript testing. The other one being, uh, if I write some tests, like I've got a big, the website that we talked about, PyCharm Guide, WebStorm Guide, actually written in JavaScript for this thing called Gatsby. If I walk away from it and come back three months later and run my tests, and if I update the dependencies, I should, if I update the dependencies, run my tests, I have no confidence that they will work. <laughs> That's my number one complaint is that it's just total chaos in trying to keep up with things, especially if you mix TypeScript into the equation. But the other one was, man, these tests take forever to run. No kidding. They've got 2000 dependencies to transpile. Okay. Is it, is it, but is that, what do you mean by a long time to run? Is it, Again, is it hello, hello world and react? You should expect that to take like two or three seconds. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd want it to be faster, but I'd want it to be faster. Yeah, <laughs> now, um, uh, I guess I'm jaded. I've been, I work with test equipment, so uh. I got to wait for settling times and things like that anyway. So, um, sure. uh, but I know that, you know, a lot of people want to test the whole world really quickly. That's another thing that, that varies with, um, with the, at least in the Python environment that I've seen, um, mm -hmm. I might be developing, so I might have a test suite and who knows how long it takes, even if it takes like 30 seconds and not running it all the time. Um, I'm zooming in and, and testing a small portion of the feature that I'm working on and modifying. Um, and then I might actually be a bad boy and not ever run all the tests. I might just mm -hmm. push it up, push up the merge request and see 
and see what the results are because the CI will run them on all merge requests. Um, now, is that a similar sort of thing in the in the JavaScript space? Are people splitting up their test suites and um, and during development running a subset um, and then pushing up more? Do you know? Uh, that's a good question. Um, the segment of tests that are end to end when people do end to end testing and they run them in actual browsers locally. Uh, that's an interesting candidate for outsourcing to a hosted service that has all of those browsers installed and obviously executing edge on windows. I'm not going to be able to do, uh, so that is a thing. My feeling is that, um, first, I don't believe that testing is adopted nearly as highly as it is in Python. Uh, but I probably have an overly optimistic view of Python's testing culture. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe you do, but but we also need to kind of define what we mean by testing. I bet sure. it's all being tested, but you mean I'm sure you mean automated tests. Automated tests, yeah, something running in a test runner. And so um, I don't find I don't think people are segmenting them the way that you're describing, and I rarely see a discussion about that. Okay. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, so, but that in that sense, people really do want it to be faster because they're running everything and that, okay. So that two to three second thing that you mentioned with like uh, hello world, um, does that exponentially increase for a larger application or is that pretty much, you've got like a two or three second tax on all tests. It's the latter. It's the latter okay. Yeah. Okay, so then um, is the second time I run the test, is this transpiling everything again? Um, or... Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And But you're, you were also mentioning that maybe some of this stuff might speed up in the near, within the next year? Sure. Uh, as we move away from bundlers, as we move away from huge frameworks, there are a couple of JavaScript ecosystems Svelte, SolidJS, some others that are thinner and are closer to embracing native uh, ES6 ECMAScript modules, which work in the browser and until recently behind a flag in Node.js, they would work. So now that's all settling down a little bit. Some of the frameworks are adopting it. And you have less that needs to fall under that bundler thing. Now, if you're doing TypeScript, it's going to have to run through the TypeScript compiler. Okay, uh, but you uh, you're not seeing as you def- definitely said to you, you're not seeing as much testing in the JavaScript space. But there's yeah. there's obviously some because can't made that library and all that stuff so some people are doing testing it seems to be aimed a lot at uh framework and library owners rather than business application writers well okay that doesn't surprise me because the the framework people are doing this stuff for free and (laughs) and they can't hire people to manually test it so survival tactic (laughs) i just wish that more companies would realize that and hire actual engineers to do tests instead of anyway um send you out on a speaking tour (laughs) so um but this was fun um i think i don't know if i got a full picture but i think i got a glimpse and i hopefully the listeners also got a glimpse of what it's like to 
be a joyful JavaScript test developer or test person developing, I don't know, front end stuff. Sure, indeed. <laughs> so thanks, Paul. And uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for continuing to do testing code. Uh, and hopefully, I can come back sometime and talk about JavaScript testing and everything that I said that was changing in the world of JavaScript will have happened and it's a lot better. I welcome that. That would be great. Thank you, Paul. Very informative. Always enjoy talking with you. Thank you, Patreon supporters, for supporting the show. Information on how to sponsor or support the show is at testingcode.com slash support. A link to Paul's tutorial is on the show notes at testingcode.com slash 167. That's all for now. Now go out and test something. <laughs>